On episode 505 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Robert J. Davis and discuss his book, Supersized Lies, how myths about weight loss are keeping us fat, and the truth about what really works. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 505. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Hey, Raz, how are things? Good, Alan. How are you? How are you enjoying your vacation? I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's just there's been a lot going on in the world, um, mm-hmm. uh, in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone poisoned our dog, Buster. What? Yeah, we've had uh, some criminals on the island. Uh, we caught oh. one of them on camera stealing our hammock off our front porch. But it appears, and this is, again, coming from the police and others, is that there's this, this group of thieves on the island, and they're trying to soften up houses to come back later and do something more is, is the theory. Oh. So they poisoned a ton of dogs across oh, the island no. just to make sure they could get in. Unfortunately, we had people watching the place and they were able to step in and do some pretty wonderful things. And so Buster has recovered. He's doing okay. Oh my gosh. But it was just one of those hit and go moments where we, we didn't know if he was going to make it. And, wow. um, so our friends, our friends came to our rescue. It's just very stressful when you're, over 3000 miles away and, you know, not in a position to do anything to help your dog that you mm. know, it's just, that's going. So, um, we're, we're on our way, you know, so recording this, we're, we're most of the way through with our holidays. And as this goes live, uh, we'll be finishing up the final days, uh, and about to head back to, uh, Panama. So I'm, I'm kind of like in that mood of, okay, let's just get back and, you know, get Lula's open and, mm-hmm. and get that going. And, it's, it's made me kind of rethink a lot of stuff in my own life, uh, wow, as, you know, yeah. as I look at what, what I'm doing and, you know, my, my training and, and those types of things. Um, so I might be making some changes to the way I do personal training and mm-hmm. to how I manage my own life, uh, just to, just to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm taking care of me and mine first, sure. um, and, uh, then doing what's necessary to help others. Wow. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your dog and I'm so glad he's okay. And you've got the most wonderful neighbors to help out. Yeah. And, and they didn't, you know, they didn't sign up for that. They were just, we're going to house sit. <laughs> well, who would have thought? And, yeah. And then you've got, you know, so I, a lot of other stuff, someone stole someone's pizza and uh, you know, there's <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. So a lot going on back there, uh, good and bad, but, uh, you know, Buster's fine and good. looking forward to getting back and seeing my puppies. Uh, cause I do miss them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did have one other thing that I wanted to talk about, you know, as, as I talked about, I was, you know, when you're driving and you have lots of time to think, uh, as you're driving, um, I just kind of was kind of thinking about what I want to do and where I'm at. And, um, I figured, you know, what I really needed was a kick in the pants, hmm. uh, to get myself, um, re-energized with, with mm-hmm. what I'm doing personally, not necessarily with the podcast and not necessarily with the training, but just me, my, my training and everything. So I have signed up for another tough mutter classic. Now, this one's going to be October 27th. It's in the Chicago area. Uh, I've already signed up. I'm in the 10 to 10:45 range of times. So if you're in the area and you you know we've got over 11 months to train for this thing now because I think this episode actually goes out around the 27th of <laughs> September. So we 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 literally have 11 months to get ready for this. If this is some or yeah, it says it's August 27th of 2022. So you've got okay. 11 months if this is something you want to do. I'd love to meet you. Love to hang out with you at the Tough Mudder. Uh, in Chicago. Uh, again, I'm on the 10 to 1045 uh, leg. And one of the things I do like about the Tough Mudder is it's a very um, camaraderie kind of run. It's not a competition mm-hmm. where we're trying to beat each other. Uh, it's where we're helping each other. So if you're struggling with an obstacle, I help you. If I'm struggling with an obstacle, you help me. It's a really good spirit on this run. Um, walk, whatever you want to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, going at the 10 o'clock time, you'd have plenty of time to finish. Uh, give your shot at all the different obstacles. There's uh, there's 10 miles with um, 25 obstacles. And they, over that weekend, they do have some shorter runs. They have a 10K 
and a 5K. So if you're not feeling like you can get trained up to do the longer one, then at least look at the 5K or the 10K and consider that you could train for that. Because it's a really, in my opinion, you know, you're not just training for running because uh, while there is running, it's not like just constant 10 mile run. Uh, mm-hmm. You do run and then you kind of stop doing obstacle for 25 obstacles. You're stopping quite a bit. Um, and, and so <laughs> yeah. then you're doing an obstacle and some of the obstacles are about fear, you know, like you're jumping from a height into water. Some of them you're swimming. Some of them you're going through uh, a dark tube uh, and there is the electricity. Uh, so, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a real, it's a real character builder and it's a lot of fun. So hopefully, uh, if you guys are interested, head on out there. I did post in the Facebook group, a link that'll take you to the active, but if you just go into toughmotor.com, you can go check out their events and it's the October, uh, I mean, sorry, August 27th of, um, 2022. And like I said, right now I'm in the 10 to 10 45 start times and they just set you up about 500 at a time and send you out. And so a lot of people will be running, but you know, if you can sign up around that time, cool. If you can't, well, and I know there's enough people around, maybe we'll set up some kind of meetup that night, uh, have dinner or something. So uh, check it out. And if you're interested, uh, reach out to me and we'll, we'll figure something out. Wow. That sounds so awesome. It's great to have a goal. It's great to have something on the calendar to look forward to and to train for. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't had that. And I was like, you know, with, with huh. COVID, with everything mm-hmm. else, there's really not been anything but training for the sake of training. Yeah. And it, you know, I'm not gonna say it gets dull because I really enjoy lifting and doing some things, but it's just one of those things of saying, you know, I need something to mm-hmm. just put a little spark in there and you know, <laughs> being ready for that and, and making sure that I perform well, there is important to me. So um, I'll get it done. Yep. And you picked a doozy. So you'll have your hands full <laughs> for the next 11 months. Absolutely. Good for you. All right. You ready to have a conversation? Wait, what are you going to ask about you? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Enjoying the time. Kids are back to school. It's quiet here at the house for a little while. And um, we just had a bunch of family time. My brother's in from California, so I got to see him and um, my parents and my in-laws. My my mother-in-law just is about to celebrate her 75th uh, birthday. So we had a little to do for her. So it's been great having family time. It's, It's been wonderful. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to have a conversation with Dr. Davis? Sure. Our guest today is an award-winning health journalist whose work has appeared on CNN, PBS, WebMD, and the Wall Street Journal. The president of Everwell, he hosts its popular myth-busting Healthy Skeptic videos. A graduate of Princeton University, he holds a master's degree in public health from Emory and a PhD in health policy from Brandeis University, where he was a Pew Foundation fellow. With no further ado, here is Dr. Robert J. Davis. Dr. Davis, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Hello, Alan. Thanks for having me. Now, your book, Supersized Lies, How Myths About Weight Loss Are Keeping Us Fat, and the truth about what really works. Uh, as I was telling you before, if I were walking through a Barnes and Nobles, uh, I would pick up this book just on that. And then once I got into it, really, even just the introduction, I was like hooked. I'm like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read every single line of this pit book all the way to the end because I want to know what really works. But I also want to know what myths am I falling for. So I appreciate the opportunity to kind of go through and say, okay, what's going on with what we're hearing and why is everybody struggling so much with the information that's out there? Right. Well, thank you for that. And it's, you know, what I've done throughout my career is to really dissect the science behind all kinds of claims related to health. And I think that's so important because we, there's so much misinformation about so many health issues. Certainly that's come to the fore more than ever with regard to COVID, but it, it applies to so many of the things we hear about with regard to our health. So that's something that it's very important to me. I have a background in public health and epidemiology as well as journalism. So I try to combine those those trainings that I have to really look at the science and help people sort through the claims so they can figure out what's believable and what's not. Yeah, because more than anything else, I I just, there's this tribalism uh, and the internet is fostering that, Facebook is fostering that, Twitter. Uh, they're, They're making people into tribes about everything. Every single thing we do, it's like, no, you shouldn't do it that way. Or then on, you know, those sites absolutely should be doing it that way. And so we, we have these pulls back and forth of this is the best way. No, this is the best way. 
And they're all potentially a little right and they're all potentially a little wrong. And I think that's where, where you know, the, the problem comes is that we, we get stuck in our tribe and it's really, really hard to step out of that. And what I really liked about your book was that you didn't go in saying, this is my tribe and this is the way to do it. It was truly, okay, this tribe says this and they're not wrong, but they're not right. And this tribe says this and they're not wrong and they're not right. So where, where do we meet in the middle? What, what is the common denominator? What's happening here? And wh- why is this happening? And I want to start that out only to say is one of the core ones is this concept that if you go in, there's a tribe and we call them the calories in calories out tribe, SECO, and they believe just heart of hearts. All you have to do is plug in everything you eat and plug in every bit of exercise and movement you do. And you do all the formulas and you're going to lose weight. And it's true <laughs> right. until, until it's not. Can right. we talk a little bit about what the problem is with calorie counting and why? Because if, if it were true, true, then we would lose an incremental amount of weight every single day. And we would always lose weight. If we're always eating at a deficit of 500 calories a day, we would always lose a pound a week every week until we weighed zero. And <laughs> right. unfortunately, that's, that doesn't work. Can you tell us what's going on there? Right. Well, first of all, I like, you know, another way to describe that philosophy is some people call it Elm, eat less, exercise more. And I like to say for many people, Elm Street is a dead end um, (laughs) because they try that and they're told that's going to work and it doesn't work. And they try it again and again and again, and it continues not to work. So, so one of the problems with calorie counting is I seen, by the way, I'm not saying in my book, nor do I believe that calories don't matter at all. There's some people, you know, that say that, and that's not what I'm saying. Calories do count, but as I say, counting them typically doesn't work. And so one reason for that is fairly straightforward, and that is that calorie counting is an imprecise activity. I mean, what we see, the, you know, you see those numbers, the top of the, uh, of the nutrition label, it's a bold number that this, this food has 232 calories. And we're led to believe that's a precise number. But in fact, in, in fact, that number is often not accurate. Um, under law, those numbers, people often don't know this, Alan, but under law, those numbers can be up to 20% off. So often, and in many cases, that error is, is an undercount. So it could be that we're getting, actually, the, the number of calories we think we're getting is not accurate. So, so just for starters, just the whole process of trying to count them accurately uh, is, not, is not easy. And then never mind that it's, for most of the foods we eat, we don't have calorie counts. You're, you're not going to, most restaurants are not going to have calorie counts on menus. If you eat at someone's house, if you cook your own meal, you're not going to know. And trying to estimate calories is very, very difficult, trying to do so accurately. So that's that's a problem for starters is why calorie counting doesn't work. But but there's 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 a bigger problem and that is that our bodies act in a way more complicated than just the number of calories we consume. There are other factors at work um, that that are involved in weight regulation. One certainly is genetics. We know people. We all know people that we say they're very lucky they have uh, great genetics, so to speak, because they can eat whatever they want. They eat all kinds of foods and they never seem to gain weight. And then somebody else we know will eat very little. Uh, and then they gain a lot of weight. And so genetics, we know from studies, play a very large role in determining how food, a given amount of food, will affect somebody's weight. And, and that and it varies from person to person. We're also learning more and more about the so-called microbiome, that is the mix of microbes in our guts. And that can determine, uh, that can have a, a large influence in some cases on how many of the calories we consume that we actually absorb. Because, you know, it's not necessarily the calories that we consume that matters. It's how many of those calories our body actually absorbs versus excretes. So that's an important consideration as well. And again, something that science is showing more and more about all the time. And then then there's the whole issue of our metabolisms. As we cut calories, as we lose weight, our metabolism slows down so that it takes uh, fewer calories. We have to eat fewer and fewer calories to continue to lose weight. And often, it's, it's, it's sort of a cruel uh, trick of an evolution that actually is a gift. It was meant to, it's, it's there to protect us in case of famine. So essentially our bodies become more fuel efficient as we lose weight in order to keep us from wasting away. But the problem, of course, today, thankfully, is we don't have to deal with famines in modern society and Western civilization. But we, uh, if we're trying to lose weight, it's a big problem because our bodies are essentially fighting us. 
And so that's something else that's sort of lost in this conversation about, well, it's just a linear process. If you cut calories, then you will keep losing weight. If you cut it down, if you have a certain negative energy balance. But what that doesn't take into consideration is the way the body essentially fights back. And so all of these things, I think, and, and there are other factors as well, are often lost in this discussion about calories in, calories out, because uh, it's sort of simplified to this simple math equation. And it's, in fact, far more complicated than that. Yeah. And, and even on the other side of that formula, the burning, because I, um, I had an Anytime Fitness membership and I went in there, they had two different types of treadmills, I mean, ellipticals. And so if I got on one type of elliptical and worked out really hard for an hour, I would burn 850 calories. But the other elliptical, if I got on it for an hour working out just as hard, it was 750 calories. So I would always go to the 850 calorie <laughs> elliptical <laughs> to get a better workout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, and so, yeah, it, it's their estimates all the way across what our body's burning at any given time. It's an estimate. What what's in food is an estimate and, you know, restaurants are off on, even if they tell you what the calories are, they can be off significantly. And you buy a can of something and you think, okay, I'm going to eat this. And you're looking at the label. And then if you don't pay enough attention, there's two and two thirds servings per, per can. And you're like, okay, well now I've got to do complicated fraction math to figure out how much I'm eating and how much I'm getting. So it just, it does make it more difficult. Uh, but I think one of the core things that you did say in, I, in the book that I thought was really important is that tracking can be valuable. It's just when you're trying to get down to this meticulous math of plus and minuses that it's not going to serve you as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, there are uh, there's no question, and, and a number of studies show this that actually tracking what you eat, and not only what you eat, but how much you eat, when you ate it, whom you ate it with, where you ate it, how you felt when you were eating it, all those things are very important. And I can talk more about why that's important in terms of tracking what we eat, what what you eat. But what people often get hung up on when they're keeping these food diaries is the number of calories. And so studies show that people often stop tracking what they're eating because track, keeping track of their calories is so difficult. They find that uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating to try to deconstruct the foods they ate if they don't have a calorie count, to try to take the ingredients and look up the calorie counts of each, each ingredient. And they end up just giving up on the whole thing because they say this is too difficult. So I think that, that become, can become a real impediment to a very important activity, and that is tracking your, your food intake. And so, as I say in the book, um, don't worry really as much about tracking your calories, but what you should do if you can is track what you're eating because what tracking your food intake can do is give you a sense of your eating pattern so that you can go back and use this information to say, huh, I didn't realize that, you know, at work, uh, I, I go and pick up a donut, you know, a couple times a day. I didn't realize I was doing that, or I didn't realize that when I get stressed, I go through the fast food drive through more often. And so by doing this, it can help you understand patterns that you may not be aware of and then, then take action to address those patterns. So that's why I think keeping a food diary is crucial to successful weight management, but you, people should not let the, uh, the, the mandate that they often hear to track calories uh, to, to bog them down. Yes. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is brought to you by Timeline Nutrition, the makers of MitoPure. We've talked about the importance of mitochondria, the power generators at the heart of nearly every cell in our body. So you know keeping your mitochondria healthy is an important step in feeling good and slowing the aging process. Several years ago, I read about pomegranate being a superfood, but I could seldom find it at the grocery store, and the juice has more sugar than a Coke. So I ditched the idea. Now, there's Timeline Nutrition's MitoPure. We learned that it's the urolithin A that seems to be what's improving the mitochondria, and the pomegranate was providing a precursor. We can't get urolithin A from food. Basically, our gut bacteria turn elegetinins in the pomegranate into urolithin A. Unfortunately, most of us don't produce enough urolithin A to optimize mitochondrial health. Urolithin A is the primary ingredient in TrueLine Nutrition's MitoPure. Okay, science lesson over. MitoPure comes in a powder form to mix into yogurt or your favorite smoothie, a protein powder if you're looking for a great one-two punch of muscle support, or soft gels. 
I've been using Mono Pure for a few weeks. I have the powdered form that is a light berry flavor, which is good for plain yogurt, sour cream, or cream cheese. Yeah, I do all of those. Yet, it won't overpower anything you choose to add it to. We all know that our body responds positively to a healthy lifestyle, including nutrition, movement, sleep, stress management, and reducing our toxic exposure. But if you're looking for ways to optimize your mitochondrial health, check out Timeline Nutrition's MitoPure. Go to TimelineNutrition.com and use my promo code 40PLUS, 40+, for 10% off on the plan of your choice. As we talk about these, these tribes, as I got into early in, in this episode, one of the things that really comes out is this, this concept of villains or foods to avoid at, by all yeah. costs. And then the, the heroes. So these are the superfoods that are going to change your life and make you lose weight a lot faster. Can you talk a little bit about villains and heroes and where, where this lore <laughs> comes from and why it's really kind of a fiction? Well, you know, it's, it's part of the overall tendency we have as human beings and certainly in our society to try to look for good guys and bad guys, put white hats and black hats on people. And so the same thing certainly has happened with nutrition generally and with weight loss specifically so that we have weight loss. The history of weight loss over the last 200 years is an effort to finger some kind of culprit and to boil it down to one food or one kind of food that is, is particularly villainous, that if only if we avoid this particular food, then we can weigh less and, and manage our weight. And likewise, we see increasingly, and, and this is driven in part by the food industry, because the food industry has a great incentive, of course, to make us think that their food has some kind of magical quality, uh, to eat specific foods that are either going to keep us healthy or help us manage our weight. And we see every day either claims and ads or news reports about some food, whether it's avocados or whether it's beans or whether it's uh, salmon or whatever it is that have some kind of magical properties. Uh, and, and as I like to say, these are all often foods that are part of a healthful diet and foods that we you know, absolutely can and should eat, but to imbue them with some kind of magical qualities or special properties that are going to allow them in isolation to make us healthier or to help us lose weight is, is a myth. And that the, the evidence that's often cited to support this um, is not compelling. It's, it, it will be in animals or it'll be in test tubes or it'll, or it'll be some kind of intermediate marker that really doesn't measure what we're trying to measure, which in this case is weight loss. So, so often we're deceived uh, about the, the benefits of these foods as well as the dangers, as it were, of specific kinds of foods when it comes to our weight. And so the, the, the point here is that instead of fixating on specific foods, either as villains or heroes, what we should be doing is looking at the overall quality of our diets. That is to say, um, you know, what are our overall eating patterns? Are we eating in a healthful way overall? Uh, and, 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 to fixate, and not to fixate on the specific foods in that diet. And, a, and the, the advantage of that is that eating it in that way and thinking that way about food allows us lots of leeway. We can uh, c construct a diet for ourselves that, with foods that we're going to enjoy um, and not feel we're being deprived, not feel that we can't ever eat foods that are supposedly bad for us that we shouldn't eat, and allow us to have a diet that can be sustained over time. And in the end, that's what counts, right? That's what matters is a diet that we can um, eat, that we can enjoy, that we're not going to feel dissatisfied or hungry on, and that we can uh, follow over time. And whether you're talking about your health or your weight, that's that's the absolute truth. Yeah, and I, like I said, you know, with villains, it's, it's like, okay, is this food really that bad? And, and maybe it is if that's all you're eating or you're eating a ton of it, so moderation could be an answer. Uh, occasionally have uh, a bit of ice cream, have a little bit of this, it's, it's okay. Uh, and then with heroes, it's like, okay, uh, don't think that grapefruit's this magical fruit that's going to change your life. Uh, if you enjoy eating a grapefruit here and there, have some grapefruit. You get your vitamin C and there's some, some value there, but it's not going to make your waistline go smaller just because you're eating a lot of it. Right. And I think it's, you know, as, as we said, as I keep saying, weight, weight management is a unbelievably complex phenomenon. And to think that we can boil it down to a specific food that whether it's carbs, never eat carbs, and that'll be the solution or always eat grapefruit. That's the solution. It, it just it defies logic. And common sense. Yeah. So now I want to kind of shift over to what what does work, because uh, that's the other big half, uh, the big promise from your book. Uh, and you boil it down to something I love is just principles. 
And, and rather than not a set of rules that says, this is what you must do, but here's a set of principles that if you follow these principles, you're, you're going to improve your chances of losing the weight that you want to. Could you go through your weight loss principles? Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a crucial point, Alan, because I think too often a lot of diets that people have involve rules, hard and fast rules to say, you must do this. You must eat these foods. You must never eat these foods, you know, only eat these on every other Tuesday, you know, whatever it is. And, and people get bogged down in rules that they have to follow. And of course, again, that those kinds of diets, maybe people can follow it for a few weeks or a few months, but over time, that's not sustainable. And often these rules are not science-based at all. So, so what I try to do is outline principles, and that is general uh, ideas about what people should do. And, and what I like to say is that these are, um, these are guidelines and things that people can do that they can tailor to their own needs and their own preferences. And that's, again, so important for people to, people to be able to do that, to be able to have something that they can follow over time. So the first principle is that I, I say, you know, eat a whole, whole foods diet. And that doesn't mean going to the store whole foods necessarily. It means eating a food that's rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, uh, beans, nuts, seeds, uh, lean meats, fish, eggs, dairy, if you eat dairy, and trying to minimize so-called highly processed foods, um, things like uh, candy, chips, soda, french fries, hot dogs, things like that. Now, notice I said minimize. I did not say eliminate entirely because, again, a diet that says a food is toxic or poisonous or whatever else, you should never touch it, all that tends to do is to make people want that food more, to crave that food more. So, But what minimize means is that over time, and it, it's not saying do this tomorrow if you eat those foods regularly, but over time, try to eat those foods less often so that they eventually become occasional treats and things that you eat in limited portions rather than things you eat every day. And again, this is a process that takes time. But that's, that's going sort of to a whole foods diet, a largely plant-based diet. Uh, in which you can, and, and, and under a plant-based diet, you can have any variety of foods. So you don't have to eat specific foods. If you like salmon, eat salmon. If you don't eat salmon, don't eat it. If you want to eat other fish, fine. If you, uh, whatever whole grains you like, you can incorporate those. But the point is that you can construct a diet of foods you actually enjoy and will eat. Um, and whatever combination of carbs, protein, and fats works, various combinations can work under a whole foods diet. But, but that's the way to think of it rather than thinking of a specific list of foods that you should and should not eat. So I think that's, that's one principle that I think is really important. Something else, uh, and actually I, I combine these things, are to focus on movement. And by that I mean exercise, but also other kinds of ways of moving your body. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book and is that exercise is an overrated way to actually lose weight. And I say that as somebody who's a huge advocate of exercise, I'm an avid exerciser myself. I'm actually, my last book is called Fitter Faster. It's all about the benefits of exercise. So I absolutely encourage everybody to exercise, but you need to exercise for the right reason. And that is to benefit your health and to improve uh, your overall well-being. Now, exercise movement can be an important part of weight management because it, help, it can help prevent weight gain help you keep off weight that you lost, but you shouldn't look to weight, uh, to exercise necessarily as a way to lose weight. And too often people do that. Uh, and, but, but, so that's why movement is an important part of weight management, but I think it's important, the important caveat there is we need to have the right expectation when we exercise so that we don't expect it to do something that usually it can't do. So movement is an important part of an overall weight management strategy for that reason, for the reason I just said, um, also, um, getting enough sleep. That's something that's often overlooked, but a number of studies show that people who get inadequate amounts of sleep are more likely to put on weight to be obese. And there are a number of theories as to why that's true, but the studies are pretty compelling. And so I think it's all the more reason, in addition to the health benefits of getting enough sleep, as to why sleeping, uh, paying attention to our sleep and our sleep hygiene is very important. And then stress, uh, uh, trying to control stress. Again, there are uh, studies that show that people who are under more stress are more likely to eat more. And we, many of us know this from our own experience, that we tend to engage in stress or emotional eating and to eat foods that are not good for us when we're, we're under stress. Uh, and so, um, and, and also there's studies having to do with the hormone cortisol, the stress releases the hormone cortisol, which may be, make us more likely to put on to, to store fat, particularly abdominal fat. So that's why controlling stress uh, through meditation, relaxation, yoga, other methods can be a, a crucial part um, of, of a weight management program. 
Um, the other, another element is something you and I talked about earlier, and that's tracking what you eat. That's so important to do. I think that's, that's crucial. You don't have to do it all the time permanently, but I think certainly at the beginning and during periods where you may be, uh, you know, periods you may be struggling to, to track everything you eat. And again, not just what you ate, but when you ate it, with whom you ate, how you felt. So that again, you can over time look at how, what the patterns are of your eating and, and make changes if necessary. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't like to do this because they feel ashamed of how much they ate or they don't, they, they, they just, they, they, they lie to themselves. And I think when people do that, they're only doing themselves a disservice. This should be an exercise in putting everything down to giving yourself as much information as you can so that if you have full information, you can use that information in a way that's going to help you going forward. So I think tracking what you eat is, is crucial. And again, studies show that to be the case. Um, what I call strategic planning. And, and by that, I mean, planning for the inevitable challenges and setbacks that are going to come with weight management. We all know that anybody who's tried this, there, there are challenges every day to, to staying on track. And people, we fall off the wagon for all kinds of reasons because uh, job or, or family or uh, other emergencies get in the way that uh, prevent us from staying on track. So the point with strategic planning here is to have a strategy in place to help us when those inevitable challenges do occur. Uh, one thing I like to talk about are if-then statements that we have for ourselves. So, for example, we know if, if for example, uh, you have a temptation when you're uh, in line at the checkout or in your work to try to get foods you, you know you don't want to eat, uh, candy or, or chips or something, you have if-then statements ready. If I am tempted to get candy bars or chips, then I will pull out the snacks I brought with me that are carrot sticks or something else. If I tend to overeat at restaurants, and we know that often they're giant portions and that, that people tend to eat what's in front of them. If I tend to do that, then I will get a doggy bag at the beginning of the meal and put half the food in the bag to take home before I eat. So the point is there are automatic actions that we have ready to go, almost like auto technology that when we veer out of a lane, it pulls us back in automatically. So we don't have to think about it. We're ready. We're prepared for the, these uh, occurrences and we're ready to act. And likewise, when we fall, we, you know, we, we kind of fall out of our lanes. We start, you know, we, we kind of get off track. Um, we have ways of talking to ourselves to say, if I get off track, then I won't blame myself. I won't say I'm a failure. I won't give up. I'll say, you know what? I'm just going to start again and keep going. And so what research shows is that people that can do that kind of self-talk, that can have those if-then statements, when they do in, in, inevitably fall off track, they can get back on track and keep going. And that's it's so, so the point is to have these kind, this kind of planning in place so that we are ready and prepared for the inevitable challenges that, that do occur and we can keep going. And then finally, I talk about calling the cavalry. Uh, sometimes doing all these things ourselves, you know, we, we need more help. They, they, they help to a certain extent, but we need extra help. And so there's certain things we can do to get extra help. And one that I talk about is something called intensive behavioral therapy. And what that is basically is enlisting the help of professionals, whether they're physicians, nurse practitioners, dietitians, to offer a certain kind of therapy called intensive behavioral therapy that helps us around things such as food planning, exercise, uh, uh, dealing with, uh, with ki different kinds of barriers that we may, uh, and, and helping us overcome those barriers. So basically helping us to manage the process of weight management. And this can occur in person. It can occur online. You know, there's certain uh, commercial programs like Noom and others that incorporate elements of behavioral therapy so that you can get it in various ways. But, but that can be very helpful to people sometimes to get help from professionals to help them get on track and stay on track. And then for some people, um, surgery can be an option. For people who uh, have a, a, above a certain BMI who qualify, surgery can be very beneficial, uh, bariatric surgery. There are various forms of it. Uh, it's not for everybody. And certainly people need to carefully weigh the risks and benefits because there are risks involved. But for certain people, it can be very beneficial. It can help them lose a substantial amount of weight, keep that weight off and decrease their risk of certain conditions like diabetes. So um, uh, surgery can be something that's very beneficial for, for certain people as well. So, so I think uh, people shouldn't be afraid. I guess, I guess the point there is people shouldn't see it as weakness. They shouldn't see it as failure or anything else. If they say, you know what, I've, I'm trying everything I can on my own, but I need some extra help. So I need to call in some professionals to, to help me uh, take the next step. And, and that's something people should be ready to do 
if they find that uh, what they're doing on their own isn't sufficient. Yes. Uh, Dr. Davis, uh, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Well, you know, for me, I guess I would say mine aren't necessarily earth shattering and they're not necessarily surprising. But for me, at least personally, the three that I would say would be the first would be movement, moving your body. Um, As I said, I'm a big advocate of exercise for all kinds of reasons. Um, I like to say that if there were a pill that could do all the things that exercise can do, uh, everything from reducing your risk of heart disease and cancer to improving your sex life, uh, we'd all be clamoring for it. And so I think finding a way to move your body uh, regularly. And that can be any number of things, but anything, whether anything from walking to hiking to dancing to playing pickleball, whatever it might be that you enjoy, that you can sustain, that you can keep doing, that's really important. It's, it's crucial for our, for our health. And as I say, it's important for our weight, not necessarily to help us lose weight, but to, to stay at a healthy weight and to prevent weight gain. So movement would be the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing would be our diets, healthy eating. Um, and again, we, we've talked earlier about what that means. It's not complicated. It's not following a lot of rules. It's not doesn't mean you have to buy designer foods. Um, it's it's a fairly straightforward process. It's a, it's focusing on your overall eating pattern. And by the way, it's not just what you eat, but it's also enjoying food with other people. I think that's so important. That's an important part of healthy eating to me. Um, and often certain diets that are too restrictive or involve fasting to me often uh, take away the joy of eating. Take away the the pleasure of enjoying our food with other people. So eating healthful foods and enjoying that food with other people would be a second principle that I would say. And third, I mentioned earlier, is sleep. I think too often this is overlooked. Sadly, in our society, it's a badge of honor for people to say, I only sleep five or six hours uh, a night. I only need a little bit of sleep. Well, I think that's, that's, a, uh, that's unfortunate that people say that and make us think that's something admirable because it's not. For most of us, we need seven to nine hours of sleep and that we often don't realize the negative effects that too little sleep have on our health and our well-being. And so I think to focus more on sleep hygiene, putting away the tablet, putting away the iPhone, getting getting to sleep earlier, focusing on good sleep hygiene um, is crucial, again, not only for our health, but also for weight management. So again, that's something that I think many of us don't focus on enough. Right. Thank you for that. If someone wanted to learn more about you and learn more about your book, Supersized Lies, where would you like for me to send them? Uh, my website, healthyskeptic.com. I have on there more about the book, more about me. I have a number of videos I've created. So that's a good place to start. Great. Healthyskeptic.com. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 505. And I'll be sure to have a link there in the show notes. Dr. Davis, thank you so much for being a part of 40 plus fitness. It's been a real pleasure, Alan. Thank you so much. Hey, Russ. Hey, Alan. Um, I just have to have to say, I love the title of his book, Supersized Lies and the Myths of uh, Weight Loss and the Truths. That's that's a pretty heavy title. Perfect. Yeah. The, the thing I get to is everybody wants something simple. They want a rule of thumb. Just tell me just <laughs> one thing. Just tell uh, me one thing. Tell me yes. what can I eat? What can I yes. not eat? Well, yes. What's the one rule? And mm-hmm. people want to give you rules, you know, yeah. if I can give you a rule and I can make money doing it, <laughs> I'm going to give you a rule. Yeah. And so a lot of personal trainers will say, you know, yeah, calories in, calories out. You got to get in the gym. Uh, you have a gym membership. You got to get in the gym. Uh, we got to work out the three times per week that you're going to mm-hmm. train with me, but that's not enough. You got to come in here another three times a week and be doing that cardio that I told mm-hmm. you to do. And, you know, then go low fat and, and, and just eat what you want, but and you'll be fat. fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. And then if you get in there and you're not losing the weight, it's like, well, you must be eating too much. Cause I I'm working mm-hmm. you and you know what? You're working hard in the gym and they're like, yeah, I'm working hard in the gym and you're eating too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm hungry because I'm working in the gym. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Calories in calories out is a probably the most common myth that he had highlighted. And it's one I've heard and I continue to hear to this day. And well, like, the problem, the problem with it is it's, it's, it's a, it's a myth over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a myth myth because it's true. You're right. It, it is. It is absolutely true that if mm-hmm. you eat more calories than you are burning, you're going to gain weight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the problem is, and, and if you're eating fewer calories than you burn, you will lose weight. The problem is your body is not a closed system. Mm-hmm. So when you sit there and eat less, your body is going to sit there and say, you know, 
something's going on in Rachel's life and she can't get enough food mm-hmm. for us to do the things we want to do. Mm-hmm. And we want to save the brain. We want to save the liver. We want to save the kidneys. Mm-hmm. And what can we get rid of? What can we reduce? And it says, oh, well, you know, yeah, we got some of this fat here, but we want to hold on to that because if she goes long-term without food, we're going to be screaming and mm-hmm. we're going to be struggling. So let's let go of a little muscle because it's burning more calories. So you're in the gym working and you're not putting on any muscle or anything. You, mm-hmm. you're, you might be gaining weight, but it's not muscle. And then it's going to say, well, let's, let's reduce the size of the spleen and cut out our uh, immune system. Let's, yeah. let's do a little bit of work here and cut off some of our reproductive strength because there, we have no need to bring babies into this world if there's not enough food. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you got to just coax your body to understand, yes, there is enough food, good, high quality, nutritious food for us to survive and do well and thrive. And then at that point, your body can sit there and say, you know, yeah, we could, we could use some of this body fat when we just, you know, during those periods of time when we don't have enough food, but Mm -hmm. we know there's plenty of food because she eats. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We always have plenty enough food. We don't, we don't often feel the hunger and um, we go through each day. We had breakfast at a certain time, lunch at a certain time, afternoon snack, dinner at a certain time. Like, yeah, we got plenty of food, food to do what we need. And and here's the interesting thing: is those those meal times. There's there's actually no magic to them. There's no reason we <laughs> you, we eat that way because mm-hmm. that's how the work day was scheduled. Mm-hmm. You know, you literally had your you 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 ate before you went to work. They gave you a lunch break. You ate a lunch, and then you ate after you got through with work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then along the way, you know, I guess unions and whatnot stepped in and says, we should probably let them take a 15 minute break. So there was a morning snack and an afternoon snack. And so quite literally the, the six, five, six meals a day is built around a work day in an mm-hmm. office or a factory. Mm-hmm. It, it has absolutely nothing to do with your metabolism and how your body was designed. Um, in many cases, uh, you might go the whole morning without having any food because you just didn't have enough the day before and you've got to walk nine miles to where <laughs> you can get honey or roots or, or, mm-hmm. or kill a rabbit or a bear. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's going to take a little bit of time and then you do it and you carry it home and then you prepare it and you cook it and then you eat it. Um, so you might only have one big meal each day, or you might be able to nibble on berries and things along the way. Um, and then you go fishing, you catch some fish and you eat those fish. But mm-hmm. it, it was never meant for us to sit down and eat five meals a day. And the premise behind that was when you're trying to cut your calories, you get hungry by having you eat more often, you feel like you're not as hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. That's all that's about. And so those are, those are myths that were built out of people were getting fatter Mm-hmm. And people, they knew, we, you know, the scientists and everything looking at it, we're, they're eating more, you know, we mm-hmm. eat more than we ever <laughs> did in the history of man, yes. because food got easier and easier. It got more mm-hmm. calorie dense and less nutritionally dense. And, and that's, that to me is the real key to all of this. Oh yeah. The, the quality of your food mm-hmm. is more important than the amount of food. Well, I love that Dr. Davis mentioned that he said he suggested that we track what we eat and not get hung up so much on the calories because of the don't need to worry about the calories in calories out equation, but to track what we eat. And the real um, light bulb moment for me was um, because then you can identify patterns of what you're eating according to certain moments in your life. You know, if you're always stressed, some people like he had mentioned may reach for a donut or, uh, you know, a cookie after dinner at night, it's, it becomes a habit. And if you can kind of monitor the foods that you're eating and how much and when, and and what for, then you might be able to get a little insight that you could then use to change or make healthier choices. Yeah. Because, you know, the personal trainer selling you the calories in calories out model makes sense because that's Mm -hmm. what they sell training. Mm-hmm. You know, as a coach, I step back and say, okay, why does that not work? You know, why, well, you know, if you sit there and it said, if you did the math and said, okay, I, I'm burning 2,500 calories and I'm eating 2000, I should lose one pound per week, every week for the rest of my life mm-hmm. till I'm down to zero. <laughs> and, and we all know that doesn't work. Right. We, we all know that doesn't work. It's never that straight line ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reality of it is if you're just selling burning calories as a model, you've got to keep selling it. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, we know, um, you know, a man or a woman, we get over 40 over 50, our metabolism seems to just stop. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop, stop, but no. it's kind of one of those concepts of the harder we work to get our metabolism up, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, the the harder it is. And the more we mm-hmm. seem to want to eat and that's our body trying to protect itself. So mm-hmm. taking a little bit of time to just go about this in a, in a smart way, like you said, the logging and understanding, okay, when I eat this pizza or hamburger or hot dog or whatever, the next day, my body weight is higher. I look in the mirror and I, my, my cheeks and neck are puffy, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my skin just doesn't look as good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know staying hydrated, uh, eating high quality food, making sure I'm getting enough protein. You know, for me, those are keys. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to keep myself feeling good and energized, then that's where my, when, when you give your body the right foods and, right, and you have enough energy, then it's, it's a little bit easier to just kind of poke at or n- nudge your body to say, okay, mm-hmm. it's safe. It's safe to let s- some of this body fat go mm-hmm. and, and then it will, and then it'll yeah. stop and then you gotta <laughs> let it set. And then you gotta start poking at it again, you know, give mm-hmm. it the gentle nudges and then your body. You know, so in a terms, I would just say, you have to coax your body to lose mm-hmm. weight because it doesn't want to. Yeah. Yep. Well, and also Dr. Davis mentioned the importance of sleep and stress, because when we don't get enough sleep and when we are under higher stress, um, our body is not functioning in its optimal fashion and stress not only somehow makes us want to eat more, we, we choose, you know, the foods that we probably shouldn't choose, you know, the candies and the rich home cooked foods, but, um, it's just a habit. And, and then it, has a, we have a higher cortisol level as well. And so our body's not wanting to release any of that again in the same way. So, you know, just knowing your sleeping habits and your stress levels, just be aware, you know, of what you're doing during that time. Yeah. Because what's happening there is when you're in that stressed situation, whether it was sleep induced, not getting enough sleep or just mm-hmm. really in a high stress environment is that that cortisol is, is basically catabolic. Mm-hmm. So it's tearing down your muscle mass. It's basically, you know, doing a lot of things that are, that are not good. It'd be great if you were mm-hmm. being chased by a bear, you want cortisol, <laughs> you want all those adrenals, but you don't want that in a general sense day to day, um, chronically. Um, and what we're, what we're doing with the foods that we're choosing is we are pumping our body now with dopamine. Mm. So the, it, it creates that environment of, of feeling safer, happy, Mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so those comfort foods, whatever your comfort food is, you're turning to it to get that dopamine, to get that reward. And it feels good. So cortisol doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Dopamine does. And so you get into that cycle of cortisol hit dopamine, cortisol hit dopamine. And that's, that's the cycle, whether it's donuts, pizza, candies, whatever it is, it's, it's just that cycle. And you, Mm -hmm. when you start to recognize it, it's like, why did I eat those donuts yesterday? (laughs) Uh And then you realize, oh, well, my boss yelled at me and I thought I was going to get fired the day before, you know, the kids for one reason or another, were just, just assholes today. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. They didn't want to put on their clothes. They didn't want to get ready for school. They didn't want to do anything. And now I'm late for work and my boss is already mad at me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I don't have time to make breakfast. I'll just stop at the Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you buy two donuts. And it's like, sure. why, why did that happen? It happened. There's, you, see, you see the story. So yeah, the logging what you eat and paying attention to how you felt is going to give you those subtle clues mm-hmm. to know where, where those breaks are. And then you know, taking the deep breath, avoiding <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> yeah. drive through uh, when you're in that position, mm-hmm. uh, because you might just well be able to pull in, order your big coffee, your, you know, your hot black coffee and, and move about. But if you're in a stressed position and you're looking and you, you know, they've got the smell yeah. coming out the, out the back end of that place at the drive-through, they make sure you can smell, uh, smell it. So you end up ordering a couple of them mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's all by design. It's, well, it's all. I just want to throw in exercise as an alternate uh, way to get your dopamine hit. You know, <laughs> all of us runners, we are happy runners. We have the runner's high, like they talk about, which is essentially dopamine hits. But also people get feel, feel a whole lot better after throwing some weights around in the gym. You know, just a little bit of movement. It just makes you feel so empowered and so energized and kind of kicks out a little bit of that stress in a healthier yeah. way. 
Yeah. And, and it could be as something as simple as um, going into the stairwell at work mm-hmm. and going up and down a flight of stairs for a couple minutes and sure. you're going to burn off some of that cortisol because you, you ran from the bear, you, you, <laughs> you burn some energy. So you're going to burn off some of that and then that you're going to relax. And I'm not saying work up a sweat unless you're, unless you're that upset, but up and down the stairs a little, mm-hmm. um, another technique. And you know, my boss would call me and can you come to my office? And that, that was never, never, ever, ever a good thing. No. Never, never. <laughs> Nope. The come to my office call was just, uh, it's just like being called to the principal's office when you were a kid. No, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of the principal. I, oh. <laughs> no, I didn't call your bosses. I was like, oh, this yeah, is going to be more bad. work. This mm-hmm. is going to be, I, you know, oh, who did I upset today? Yeah. Who didn't I upset today? And then it was like, so what I would do is, is I, when I go get on the elevator, I would just start doing the box breathing. Oh, you know, I'm going up two flights and I, I could have walked up the stairs, but I said, no, I'm going to delay it. Cause if he sees, you know, they see me coming off the elevator. That's what they expect. They don't expect mm-hmm. me to go up the stairs. So I just go up the elevator and the, the time it takes for the door to close, just start doing some box breathing, you know, nice. four seconds in, four seconds, hold four seconds out, four seconds, hold you do those mm-hmm. while the elevator's going up, you get about three or four or five of those in before the elevator doors open again and you walk out and you just, you'll notice your stress level drops mm. a lot just from something as simple as that. So Perfect. just, just recognizing the other things that are going on in your life um, will help you get past a lot of this. And if, if, if someone says something and you know, Oh, it's an absolute, you know mm-hmm. uh, this is an absolute for weight loss. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> right. Good point. You know, Good point. And I also want to point out too how individualized we all are. I say this a lot too, that uh, we are all different ages, different sizes, different points in our lives. And so there is no one size fits all. And if, if what you're doing is not working, I think, you know, reach out to you, to me, to whoever can help, because sometimes you just need a little bit of expert advice to help you get through your slump or whatever you're dealing with. Well, and the, the other side of it is if you're, if you hire a coach or you're talking to a coach, the coach mm-hmm. is not going to make money, making you sweat and burn calories. They're going to be paying attention to the other things going on. They're going to ask questions yeah. and the, it's, it's not so much that, that coaches that we have the answer. Mm-hmm. It's just, we have this objectivity in the conversation yes. that, yeah. you know, it's like, well, I can't help. And I'm like, okay, can't help what, uh, two donuts every morning. That's, that's what I, that's what, that's what I see. You're eating mm-hmm. two donuts for breakfast every morning and then healthy, the rest, you know, you say healthy the rest of the day. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I see pizza in here. I see tacos. I see, you know, not that some of those can be healthy, uh, but at the same time, a lot of folks will get into the moment and lose that ability to take the step back. And so right. what a coach gives you is kind of that opportunity to have a sounding board. And then you say it. And then they, they repeat it back to you out loud. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's so helpful sometimes to have another set of eyes looking at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. All right, Rachel. Um, anything else before we call it a show? No, this is great. I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip up here. Well, I will. I will. Thank you. Good. Take care. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we'll discuss weightlifting for the intermediate lifter over 40. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.